0: So what I want you to do is turn to 1 John, that's page 1247 in my Bible. That's not helpful, preacher. Look for 2 John and turn back a couple pages. John is writing to us, the Apostle John, writing to us to help us to understand a few things. He wants us to know the assurance of our salvation. He is writing to Christians. Now, I know, I, I just from experience in preaching, there are always some unsaved people in our midst. I don't want to exclude you, okay? I want to tell you right now that you can take care of that any moment here, you know, what Scripture says to us is if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen? Amen? He says in a couple of verses later, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. There's no big trick to this, no big mystery to this other than the fact that God saves by his grace. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it, but he wants to give it to us. He wants us to have that relationship with him. He wants to write our names in the Lamb book of life. He wants us to be in heaven with him forever. So in your seats right there, you can pray, you know, God, forgive me for my sin, my rejection of you up to this point. I want to call on Jesus as my Savior, my Lord, forgive me for my sins. There's no big secret here. I want everyone to understand John is writing to Christians. And you have an opportunity to be in that group, okay? This is important. Like, as in for the rest of your eternal life, this is important. So here we go. Right at the beginning of 1 John, 1 John 1-7, John wants us to know that Christians... Are who we are because we walk in the light. Now you can take that physically as well as spiritually. And please do that. We walk in the light. He goes on in chapter 2 to say that we are not to love the world or anything in the world. And he also in chapter 2 verse 18 warns us of the Antichrist who have come. This was a huge warning back then. And if the Antichrist have come some 2,000 years ago, can you imagine how that's been escalated in our time today? It's pretty bad. I don't want to scare anybody, but we need to be careful with this. John's letting us know. God's letting us know through him. He defines Christians in chapter 3, verse 1, as children of God. You hear that expression quite a bit children of God children of God and he goes on in chapter 3 verse 11 to say that we need to be a people we are a people who love one another he calls us to love one another as Christians we shouldn't have a hateful attitude we shouldn't have, just be argumentative all the time we need to have an attitude of loving one another this is who we are as Christians We are people of love. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he goes on to say, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Folks, we have preachers and teachers and people who call themselves prophets, TV ministers, people on the street corner saying I've got a gospel message. We need to know what is from God. Test the spirits. How do you do that? Well, one, it needs to align with the written word of God. And secondly, the Holy Spirit, Christian, who dwells within, you can call on God to guide you, to understand, is that truth? Or is it not truth? Test the spirits. And then he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. In other words, you've been saved. Everyone who calls on Jesus as Christ, is born of God, and then in chapter five—well, that was five one—he goes on in verse thirteen to say that we know who we are because we are born of God. Why does he go through all of this in the first in First John? before he gets to verses 13 through 15. Why? Because he wants you to have no doubt of the fact that you are a Christian. He's writing to Christians. He wants you to make sure you have no doubt. No doubt. I know that I'm saved by the grace of God. I know that I'm going to go to heaven. When I get rid of this earth suit, he's going to give me a glorified body and I'm going to be with him forevermore. No doubt. Why? Because he's got something very important to tell us right now. He's going to end this book with starting with verses 13 through 15 with a very important topic. And that topic is about prayer. About the joys of prayer. Let's read verse John. Have you found it yet, 1 John? Chapter, 13, chapter 5, excuse me, verses 13 through 15. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the assurance we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, We know that we have what we asked of him. There are several joys in prayer, and I want us to just take a look at these one at a time. John wrote that in approaching God, we can ask anything. Now, I'm going to put a qualifier on that in just a minute, but just think of that for a moment. In approaching God, we can ask anything. It wasn't always that way. In the Old Testament, people were very cautious about approaching God. In fact, when Moses was leading the Hebrew people, they actually feared approaching God. When he came down out of the mountain one time and his face shone, he had to cover his face. They wanted Moses to go and represent them. Okay? And I think that's kind of the... Background of a lot of denominations who have priests. You go and represent us before God. There's, a, there's like their fear in the Old Testament. Caution in the Old Testament about approaching God. But when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth and went to the cross and died for our sins and was raised on the third day and now is in heaven preparing a place for those of us who are Christians, who will live for all of eternity in heaven. He wants us to know that we can approach Him. We can approach Him. There's not a fear of approaching God, but we can approach Him, and we can ask Him things that are on our heart. Here's the problem that I have experienced many, many times. People ask, how do I approach God? How do I come before God? What do I ask, and how do I ask it? I want to just kind of cover those two topics real quick. And there's a reason for that. I remember back in Bible study classes when I was younger... A handful of people is all it took. I ain't saying a word. I don't care what you ask in class. I don't care if I have the answer. I ain't saying a word. And of course, at the end of the class, a teacher is looking for eye contact with somebody because I know what's next. You, so, you know it too, don't you? All right, who's going to lead us in closing prayer? Now, I've already gotten into my position. I ain't making eye contact with him. I've got one leg wrapped around the leg of a chair. I'm not falling out of here. I've got my knee up, my elbow, my knee, my head down. I ain't looking at anybody. And yep, he calls on me. Now that's okay. If you want a moment of silence, You got all the time in the world, because I ain't saying anything. You been there? You know what I'm talking about? And I think there was this fear. I'm going to say something wrong. How do I approach God? What do I say? What do I ask? Simple. Take some notes here. If you want to know what to do in asking God, in, in experiencing the joy of asking God, Start a prayer list. This is not a hard thing to do. Keep a scrap of paper with you, a pen or pencil with you, or your phone. I guess we can do that on our phones too, right? we always got those phones in our face. Go ahead and write a note. Hey, you know what you can start with? Somebody who's not saved in your family. You can start praying for someone that you're bringing up and trying to bring up as a child of God. God, how do, I, how do I bring this child up to know you? Pray about that. Write it down. You might even have two columns. column on the left, a date that you started praying for this. A column on the right where it's a date when God answered that. Because that's really cool to be able to go back and look at that. But this is just something simple. Something at church that was said something that you read on the wall. It's all around us, things we can pray for. I've been asked this morning to pray for certain people already. I'm already praying for them. But we need to understand that we can approach God and we can ask God some very important things. Make a prayer list. The seconds will turn into minutes. The minutes will turn into hours of experiencing the joy of asking God. Here's the second thing that we can do that will help us to know how to pray. It's an acronym, ACTS. Please don't write down (laughs) A-X. Write down A-C-T-S, okay? ACTS. It it just helps us to remember these are some things that are important in prayer. A is for adoration. This is where we worship God. We praise Him for all He does, all He is. He is so faithful. We want to honor Him in our prayers. And, and this is a good time to do that adoration. C is for confession. Get down and dirty with God. He already knows. He does. He knows the deepest, darkest sins in our lives. If we want to have forgiveness for our sins, we need to confess those and repent of those. And we need to get down and dirty with God. He will forgive us. T is for Thanksgiving. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. We we can praise God here. Oh, my goodness. Answered prayers in writing those down. We're thankful. We're thankful that he has heard us, he has answered us. We're thankful that he has saved us by his grace. We're thankful that every day in some way he shows his mercy to us in our lives. We are so thankful, we're thankful people. We can, we can go a long way in this area. Thanksgiving. And then the S for supplication. And I think this is where we get to A lot of the prayer requests, well, like the individuals who want me to pray for certain other individuals, or pray for them this morning, uh, as you do in, in several mornings. And I'm faithful to pray for that. But you know what? It's all through the day. It's all through the day. It's on our prayer list that we've started. These are important things to bring before God. And it's okay to bring them more than once. If we haven't seen God working yet, He is going to work. He is going to answer that prayer. Be faithful to continue to pray for God and bring our request before God. And spend time listening for God. Because God speaks to us during those times. He answers prayers. We know He is answering prayer. He assures us of that. Even if we're reading Scripture as a part of our prayer time, there are things that God uses to help us to understand He's at work. He is faithful. And we need to recognize that. So these are two things that will help us to experience the joy of asking God. Now, here's the qualifier of the second part, the second joy, joy of knowing God's will. I told you that we can approach God, we can ask him anything. Look at the scripture, though, ask according to his will. I can tell you that there are a number of times as a chaplain with the sheriff's office and with, a, with APD, I'm over at the jail, uh, been given permission to walk through the jail and talk with the COs and everything, go to dispatch, Control, go to booking. Uh, I'm walking up and down. There's cells on either side. There's correctional officers around. Inevitably, as in weekly, someone will say to me when I ask, "Is there anything I can do for you?" Mm-hmm. Would you find a million dollars and share that with me? No. <laughs> now I'm, I'm thinking that that's not God's will. Okay. I can ask him anything, but I want to be asking what God's will is. Can, can, you, can you get me this really nice-looking car? You know, what are, the, what are the winning numbers to the lotto ticket? I don't know these things. God hadn't revealed those things to me because that wasn't his will. We can understand what God's will is. When we're in prayer, a lot of times through that supplication part of Acts God reveals to us things that we need to be bringing before the Lord. Here's three scripture passages that are just important for us to understand being able to pray in God's will. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, the first part of 2. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. In the Old Testament, God sent prophets to speak to the people. People who interceded for for the other people. Okay? Prophets who interceded between the people and God. So that the people could know what God's will was. And then comes along this break between the Old Testament and the New Testament with Jesus Christ. Christ. And now Jesus is speaking words upon words. I think, John, I think it's John who said if, if we recorded everything that Jesus did, we would have a vast amount of books. But what we re- have recorded in the scriptures here that Jesus said and that Jesus did is probably most important. Okay? He's to us he still speaks to us and one of the important things that he did is he remind us I'm not going to be here physically on this earth with you much longer but I'm going to ask the father to send the Holy Spirit Christian who lives dwells within you God sent the Holy Spirit so, yeah, God is still speaking to us, still revealing His will to us, and we can see that it all matches with Scripture. There's not a contradiction in here. If somebody's telling you the Bible contradicts itself, I want to talk to them. You hear what I'm saying? God does not contradict Himself. In 1 Corinthians, the second verse that I want you to know. 2 Corinthians 2, actually verses 9, 10, and 12. The Apostle Paul emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit here when he writes this, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. So we've got the Holy Spirit speaking to us. We've got God's Word; it's a living Word. We put it in our heart, and it lives on. The third Scripture passage, 2 Timothy three sixteen. We've said this before, but all Scripture is God breathed, useful, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And this is a passage of Scripture that helps us to know this is my will. You can know this is my will. I'm giving this to you, all of this to you, to use for these various things. What a joy to know when God speaks. I was sitting at my desk in South Carolina. I was a director of missions over an area of churches. Churches. One of our pastors called, my ministry assistant, took the call. She came around the corner personally instead of using the mic and said, uh, Brother Robert, John Noblin is on the phone. And I could hear in her voice, I need to drop whatever it was that I was doing and talk to John. John was a good man of God, still is a good man of God. John was a praying man. But when I said, John, this is Robert, how can I help you? He said, Robert, and I knew right there, this man is under some conviction. He said, I need somebody to pray with me. Will you come pray with me? I said, John, I'll be there. Would it be all right with you if I invite Jerry Garvin? He was another man of prayer good, faithful man, still is. He said, absolutely. So I called up Jerry. Jerry dropped whatever he was doing. He was at my office within about 10 to 15 minutes. It was another 20 minute drive to get to John, his church. We got there about 11 o'clock. John, what's going on? He said, I don't know if I'm supposed to resign this church or not. He said, we got a couple people in the church and I knew he was talking about, I'd preached there before. We've got a couple people in the church who are just fighting anything that goes on. I feel like God is leading us to be more involved in mission work. And I'm trying to get the organization established for that. There's a heart within the people that they want this. And so I'm trying, God is really moving to move us in this direction. But these two people are fighting me at every time turn of the corner, and I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm really considering I need to resign the church. I said, John, can we, can we just go ahead right now and pray for you? Now, we're going to kneel down on the front pew. you got to know at that time I was walking with a cane, had been walking with a cane for probably about 25 years. I had my original knees. They were old my back, according to a doctor, looked like a spiral staircase which would just ratchet up and then as it came back in, ratchet back down and be straight. And, and so I knew, okay, I can get down, but I ain't so sure about the getting up part, God. But I got down with him. And we prayed. Now what we had agreed on is after we after we get through praying at, that, you know, maybe 12, 12.30, we'd get up and we'd go have some lunch together and maybe talk some more. We, we had all agreed on that. It was probably 11.05. And I'm thinking when we said amen, well, that was about 10 or 15 minutes. It may have been a little bit longer, may have been it may have been 20, 25 minutes. My knees are kind of feeling more like the 20, 25 minutes. It was 2 o'clock. We'd been praying for three hours. God had revealed his will. John does not need to resign the church. That was 8, thir- no, 11 years ago. He's still pastor of that church and doing great. God reveals his will. When we come before him, approach him, ask him in his will what we need to do. Don't ever forget that God will reveal his will. What a joy, okay? We also need to know that God hears us. When we pray, God hears us. We have scripture that confirms that. But listen, it is great to know when God hears us. I mean, he, he does. He lets us know. We can, we can fill in our heart. We know what the answer is. There are many times I'll go to bed and, and I'm thinking, okay, God, on this issue, I can either go this way or I can go this way. And, and I'll go to bed thinking, okay, we need to go this way. Now, if I get up the next morning and I've had a peaceful sleep, I know. That that's God's will. I just, I just know it. He speaks to, to me that way. I can also tell you if I felt, thought that we were going to go this way and I wake up three, four, five times in the middle of the night, by the time I get up the next morning with that unrestful sleep, I know I better be asking God, do we need to go this way? And many, many times when that happens, yep, I got a peaceful sleep that night and he revealed to me that's the direction I needed to go. But listen, 2 Chronicles is 7.14, something What we've got right in front of us. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear. You hear that part? I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Folks, if there's any time in our lifetime right now, this is the time when we need to have our sins forgiven and our land healed. We are in a mess. And we've been growing in a mess for over a century. A lot of people don't understand it's been going on for over a century. But it's a mess because little by little, we have more and more people who are turning away from God and never approaching God and never trying to find out what God's will is. And so we're way over here now with a bunch of people wanting to do their own will. If ever there was a time to repent of our sin so that God could forgive us and heal our land, it is now. You want to put something else on your prayer list, put that on your prayer list. We're in a mess. But God said, I will hear you. I will hear you. And I'll forgive you and I'll heal your land. Here's another one, Acts the 10th chapter, Cornelius. It's a great story in Bible, isn't it? A man who experienced the joy of knowing God hears. He was in his house And his house is with him. They were praying like they do every day. And Scripture says, And suddenly an angel of God in shining clothes stood before him and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. Took four days for Peter to get there. He must have been just all kind of joy in his life. That was really a a slow, you know. (laughs) But look at the joy that must have been in his life as he's waiting for Peter to get there. We ought to know that kind of joy. And Cornelius experienced that abundant joy. The fourth thing that we can know, God answers. Let's pick up with that story again because in verse 15 in our scripture passage, we find, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, and we know that that whatever is in his will, we know that we have had, we will have what we asked of him. So gathered together in Cornelius' house is a large number of people. And Cornelius explained to Peter that they had gathered In the presence of God, to listen to everything the Lord had commanded Peter to say. No pressure on Peter. Peter's getting there and Cornelius says, Hey, we're supposed to listen to you to hear what God is saying. I'm sure God was letting him know what to say as he was coming. So scripture lets us know that he proceeded to witness Jesus' life and the mission of the Messiah, the Christ. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. And so he, Peter, ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What joy in knowing that God answers prayers. You ever witness to one individual and you come out of prayer and you see that individual with tears streaming down their face? You've witnessed to them. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture of God has answered his prayer or her prayer. God answers prayers. And I'm telling you what, to just be able to see something like that to see that victory that God has allowed me to be a part of is better than any roller coaster ride I've ever been on. It is so cool. But let me illustrate the basic principles involved in praying with success in a remarkable manner in how God answers prayers. This is something that Thomas D. Elliff, pastor of Eastwood Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Let me quote him. On one occasion, I found myself swept up in a great moving of God's spirit because of the promise God had made to a young woman who was praying for her father. Several men were gathered for prayer meeting in our church, and we had heard the office phone begin to ring. There was such a persistence about the ringing that I finally slipped out of the prayer meeting, made my way to the office, and lifted the receiver. I was surpri- yeah, I was old-time. Okay. I was surprised to hear on the other end the voice of a college friend I had not seen for several years. My friend explained that she was working in a halfway house on the California coast, and then she explained the reason for her call. She had met and ministered to a young woman who had since returned to her home in a western state. As a new Christian, the young woman had become burdened for her friends and family, especially her father. God had given her a scriptural assurance that he would bring revival to her hometown and she was acting on that promise. She had secured the use of the high school gymnasium for a three-day period, and then at the loss for what to do next, she called my friend for advice. And they agreed to ask a preacher to come to hold services. "Will you come?" asked my friend. I assured her that I was sympathetic with what happened with what was happening. But since there seemed to be a lack of local church sponsorship and since the revival was scheduled for only two weeks away, I would be unable to come. I love this part. Pray about it, she insisted. And call me later. I agreed, but already knew I would say no again. I returned to the prayer meeting and related the incident to the men They responded in a remarkable fashion, especially considering the negative attitude of their pastor. "'I think you should go, and I'll pay the ticket,' said one. "'I'll go with you,' exclaimed another. Two weeks later, four of us drove into the town late at night. We were met by the young woman. She and a friend led us to the house where we would be staying. When the door opened, we found ourselves in the middle of a prayer meeting.' Broken hearted, but confident of the power of God, people were claiming their friends for Christ one at a time. We began to pray with them and the prayer meeting continued until the early morning hours. Even though we sensed that God was working, we were amazed the next evening to find the gymnasium filled with young people and adults. God's power fell on that meeting and swept through the town. During those three days, people from every corner of life, almost 200 of them, confessed Christ as Savior and Lord. Churches were filled the following Sunday. Bible study groups were formed. It all began when God found an earnest young woman crying out to him at a time of need who was willing to act on his revealed will. God answers prayers. All the time. All the time we see this. Broke my heart to read some of the prayers on the wall back here. Very sincere prayers not broke my heart in a bad way, broke my heart that so many people were praying knowing that God would hear and sensing that God would answer. Let me tell you, God hears your prayers and God's going to answer your prayers. Be faithful to continue to pray. Okay? You already know God's will. I can sense that on how some of these are worded. You already know God's will. You know that as Christians we need to be loving each other. You know that as Christians we need to be following you. God knows and has revealed his will to you already. He hears you and he will answer those prayers. Isn't there great joy in knowing this? Great joy in knowing that we can approach God. He wants us to approach Him. Knowing that we need to ask Him something. And now we have some tools to help us to know how we can pray better instead of hiding our head in our hand when someone asks us to pray. Now we can boldly before somebody, in the name of Jesus Christ, pray prayers. That are important in these people's lives. What joy. What joy God gives to us. Let me ask you how is your prayer life right now? And are you experiencing the joy of knowing these things about God that He wants us to approach Him in His will, that He hears us, He'll answer us? God knows. And he draws us close to him so that we will know. How's your prayer life? I wonder this morning, we're going to have some people here in the front. Maybe you prayed the prayer and you're a new Christian this morning. They they probably would love it if you would just express that to them and let them rejoice with you and pray with you. But I going to ask you also in just a moment when you're standing, has God convicted you of something else about your prayer life? Is this something that you want to grow in? Something that you want to draw closer to God in? If you're making a commitment this morning, I'm sure that these people would love to pray with you. Would you respond and give God the glory for what he's doing in your life today? Let's stand and have prayer. And then we'll rejoice in some song together. Our Heavenly Father, hear the prayers of these, your people. Christians, people you have written their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. People you know that you will give a glorified body to and bring into your kingdom forever to be with you. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your concern with the things that are going on in our life. And help us to be a people who not just love one another, but a people who are more than willing to pray for one another and exalt you above all else. Heavenly Father, be glorified and honored and praised this morning as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.